I get a lot of offers to buy my catalog for other singers Whoa. or to write for pop singers. Like now they'll have like Instagram celebrities. They'll have millions of followers and they'll decide like, I want a music career. So they go to people like about just my size writing, writing wise, popularity wise, and offer to buy the catalog. Like we'll give you X amount of money. You just give all your music to this really hot Instagram girl and we're just going to make a bunch of money and that yep. is what it is. But yeah. you give away your rights and no one's ever going to know that you wrote it and yeah. done. Yeah. And it's just like, ah, it's the most frustrating thing in the world to, to like know and think like, if I did fit in that box, if I did play that game, if I did let them morph me just a little bit, would that actually just work? Am I just... But then also, would I be miserable and would I lose the music that I care about so right. much? Hi, I'm Rachel Hollis, and this is my podcast. I spend so many hours of every single week reading and listening to podcasts and watching YouTube videos and trying to find out as much as I can about the world around me. And that's what we do on this show. We talk about everything, life and how to be an entrepreneur. What happened to dinosaurs? What's the best recipe for fried chicken? What's the best plan for intermittent fasting? What's going on with our inner child? How's therapy working out for you? Whatever it is my guests are into, I want to unpack it so that we can all understand. These are conversations. This is information for the curious. This is the Rachel Hollis Podcast. So you're going on how many city tour? Uh, or do you know yet? I don't know how these things work. <laughs> I'm doing a week and a half on the East Coast and then a week and a half on the West Coast. Okay, cool. Start hitting all the major markets. Spots. So does that feel exciting, daunting, like, oh, crap? What does it feel like? All the things. All the things. Honestly, and we'll get into it, I'm sure, but honestly, the pandemic was so beautiful for me personally and a lot of touring musicians because the touring life is just harsh yeah my so my boyfriend is a tour manager for like 20 years the time off it was the first time he was still in his adult life literally like for me for me too yeah it was the first time I've been I had sat still for over like two weeks yeah in 10 years yeah yeah but you enjoyed that time every second yeah (laughs) every fucking second I, for the first nine months, I didn't touch an instrument. I didn't write anything. I didn't do anything creative at all. Because you didn't feel it or what was that process like? I feel like I'd been, it was just my job for such a long time that not having to do it felt really good. I was like, I get to just dig in the dirt, work on my garden, clean my house, organize my garage. Just like things, I felt like I was playing house, even though I've lived in the same house for like 10 years. I'm just never there. So it was the first, I was like, what is this closet? What does this (laughs) thing do? I've never been in my attic. I was like, I haven't seen, I'm just never here. So it was beautiful. I loved it. And maybe like almost a year in, I was like, okay, I want to make some music now. But it also, the added pressure of everything happening in the world, I felt like, picking up an instrument felt like meaningless unless you were going to write the next we are the world (laughs) like somehow save everyone with the one perfect song I was just like 
What am I going to say? It's so interesting. You are the second musician who's told me that feeling of feeling some kind of internalized pressure that if you were going to create, it would have to be the answer for everybody. Yeah, yeah. It has to be this huge eureka moment. Like, I figured it out. We're all in this together. Here's the secret. I was like, no, I'm just going to sit and play three chords. Yeah. Sing about a high school breakup I don't really remember. <laughs> like, what's that going to do right. for anyone? But the truth is that helps people too. Yeah, that's real. Yeah. Did I read, I feel like I saw this on your social or something, that you had an album or work that was meant to come out right around? And then... I had a whole album called Party City set to drop March 22nd of oh, 2020. Brutal. It was like the worst possible timing yeah. and energy around a project and I'd been I, I'd been touring with this band Wild Child for 10 years and another band Glorietta but I'd been sitting on this music already for probably three or four years at this point like waiting to do the solo project Sir Woman and so it had already been a couple years in the making went on the first tour to kind of like see how the music would work and we were actually driving back to Austin for South by March of 2020. We we're about to do the album release and the first big South by and like premiere my solo stuff. And it was just like, yeah, pull one, the plug. Yeah. Party City is not, oh. it is not time at all. So inappropriate. Read the room. <laughs> like you just go ahead and put that in your pocket for another two years. So we, it actually just came out a couple months ago. Oh, yeah. really? Mm -hmm. Oh, dang. I didn't know there was new music. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Oh, I'm excited. Now yeah. I know what I'm going to do this afternoon. Yeah. Okay, yeah. good. Finally got to drop that album, the yeah. full length, which is very funny. Anticlimactic now. I was like, I've been playing these songs for four or five years. Right, right. I just forget they haven't been out. And is that what you're taking on tour? You have totally new stuff or what's it like now? I've already made a new album, but this we are touring the Party City album. Okay, cool. Since it is, Austin has heard all of this music because yeah. we've been playing nonstop the past year, but we haven't gotten a chance to tour it yet. So this will be the premiere of the album that was recorded four years ago. It was supposed nice. to come out two years ago. How does that feel? Bizarre. Yeah. Bizarre. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine. I mean, you see that with a lot writers, actors, whatever, like you work on a project and then years later you have to tour it and talk about it every yes. day as if it just happened. Yes. I haven't really experienced that yet. Most of the time I'm premiering something that I just released and I, it's new and fresh and I'm excited. Now I'm like, I've written two albums right. since that album. Right. Uh, not even the same person I was yeah. when I recorded it. I can't even hit the same notes. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's totally different now. Wow. So it, I get to hear and perform the music in a new place. Like It's almost like opening up an old journal. Yeah. I'm being like, oh, that was Kelsey pre-end of the world. Yeah. <laughs> like, these were different times. These were different times. Yeah. I understand, you know, the only thing I can compare it to is as an author, it takes so long to get a book from, you know, those first concepts to what you're talking about two and a half years later. Yeah. And on the one hand, what a blessing to even have that opportunity. On the other, it does sometimes feel like a little, I hate to use the word stale, but you're sort of like, oh, wait, but I'm on 
there's new stuff now. Like I, I was have, an idiot. Right. <laughs> I didn't know what I was talking about. I didn't know what I was talking no. about. Don't read this. <laughs> Don't listen to this yeah, album. She this didn't one's know. better. Yeah. <laughs> Is there, do you have, I mean, with social media and all of these things that now musicians can get their music into the hands of fans and the audience today if they want to. How has that shifted and changed the way you create? I have a very uh, rocky relationship with social media. Same girl. It's it's the worst part about being alive right now. And it's I agree 100%. <laughs> as a musician and a writer yeah. and a, you have a podcast yeah. like it is so important that we stay active yep. on these things, but it is just the root of all evil. And I I really have a hard time. I've been doing it all myself, like all the booking and managing and social media and, and everything this whole time, which is not good. I should not, it should not be left yes. up to me at yes. all. <laughs> like I will have a show that day or uh-huh. be playing a festival and I'll get hit up by the festival. Like you've never even posted about it. Not one thing, not a picture, not anything. So everyone else I see, like, I know artists that haven't played a show in two years, but they're so good at, like, look at this breakfast I made. (laughs) I'm in the studio today. I'm thinking about co-writing with this people. What song do you think I should cover? Like, content, content, content. Like, to me, they've been working this whole time, but I know they haven't left their house. (laughs) Like, they haven't done anything. Yes. So I'm like, this is just, whereas I... I am so tired from working all the time that I like the idea of even talking about the work that I'm doing makes the work feel more meaningless. So I'm like, I don't know. It's really difficult. It is. I completely agree. It is one of the hardest parts about trying to create in the world that we live inside of is I wish, I, I cannot tell you how many friends of mine actors, writers, uh, musicians, like everybody is like, well, when I hit this number of, when I make this much, I'm off. Like everyone has this dream that they don't have to do it. And then (laughs) you think of all these celebrities who just never got on it. And I'm like, oh, you're so smart that you never, because it is this, it is very hard to hold space for because I think that social media is so damaging to people. It's just comparison. Teenagers, women yeah. especially, like it's oh. so, the suicide rates have risen since the advent. It's so bad. It's just comparison. All you're doing is looking at what everyone else right. wants you to see they have, right. which right. isn't even the truth. But then ever. at the same time, it's like, okay, but now if I want to create something, how do I tell people that it's there? In the world that I we know. live in, unless we do this. And so yeah. it is this constant tension. It's, it's tied up into the music industry in such a crazy way where, like, now festivals, they look to see how many followers you have. Yeah. Got to have that blue check. Yeah. Got to have X amount of viewers at all times in order to even be considered. It's also changing with TikTok. Yes. Every musician talks about TikTok oh, now. What uh, t- I mean, any streaming services now they're with people's attention spans it's changing the format of how music is written like 10 years ago a single could be five minutes long yep five years ago it was three minutes and 30 seconds now it's like minute and 15 seconds you better have some catchy thing that hits within 15 seconds because if they change it yep it's over yes so it's changing the composition of music in general like 
it, now you you don't have a an intro and then a verse and a pre-chorus and a chorus. Now it's just like hook. Yes. If you don't put the hook in <laughs> right then, people are going to stop paying attention to you and they change it and you don't get the stream. So it's just, uh, it's not, it's not meant for me right now. Right. But I'm like, I'm doing it. But especially being a female in such a visually stimulated industry I've I've been touring with now with Sir Woman. I have a lot of women in the band. I have a yeah. female drummer. Um, yeah, she's badass. I started following she, her too. She's amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it, a lot of a lot more women around. I had been touring with just men for a decade and longer, and you sit in these interview interviews at festivals and whatever with people, and they go man to man asking them about their influences, the instruments they play when they started, all of this stuff about their writing process and whatever. And they would get to me who wrote the music and it would just be like, where do you shop? No. How, how do you get ready for the show? Shut up. Like, and I don't, I don't, I don't dress up for anything. Like I am comfort all the way. Like right. if I'm on stage, I'm working. So yeah. I want to be comfortable. I want to run around. I want to jump. I want to dance. I'm like, I'm wearing heels or makeup or like, no. And that's, all they think the women do yeah. is just like, but what about your look? What's yeah. your look? How do you describe it? Like human? <laughs> human? I don't know. Where do I shop? Thrift stores? I Like if I remember to shop, it, <laughs> people give me things when they're tired of seeing me in the same shit all the right. time. Right. It, it just got infuriating. So it just made me like step like, I'm not going to do interviews anymore. I'm not going to like, what's the point of me talking about the process if... What you really want is a 15-second clip of how I put on eyeshadow or pour my coffee in the right. morning. Like, right. it has nothing to do with anything. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't yeah. know what the solution is. Right. I think, obviously, my perspective on this might change in six months or two years <laughs> or whatever. But I think that what I keep trying to do is just go back to, like, okay, well, what am I trying to do? Because if I know what I'm trying to do, it is so easy for me to get wrapped up into what other people think success is yeah. or what a publisher or an agent or different people want to help turn it into. And it's you're like, okay, well, that's an interesting idea. I'll sort of go with that flow and see what happens. And then it becomes this augmented thing and it's not at all what the vision was as an artist. Yeah. And so I think if I can just keep coming back to what am I trying to create? And then really asking myself, okay, like no BS. Do you actually need Instagram in order to make that happen? Because I've cut down on, I mean, there I used to post for years, every single day, because that's what I felt like was necessary. Content. And now, right. And now, I mean, I, I'm lucky if I've posted, you know, 10 photos on Instagram in the last year. I want to be present in my life. And if I think that I have to document my life for other people, I'm immediately out of this moment. Um, so I'm the same go. as you. I'm not very good at Someone's, doing it. Someone said something to me at a show the other day that I, like, was maybe the highest compliment it just for the times. He said, usually my phone eats first, basically implying that he he just films everything yeah. and posts whatever. And he was like, that one was for me. Aww. He was like, I didn't pick up my phone once like that yeah like for this generation right now that means everything yeah like the fact that you were like I'm just gonna be here mm -hmm. like this one's for me it's not for anyone else 
I wish that for everyone. Yeah. It's hard. How, as you're sort of concepting this new, the newest album, the mm-hmm. newest work, the closest to who you are today, how has that evolved from the very beginning of you picking up a pen and believing that you were a songwriter? Yeah. Honestly, I feel like the first 10 years of of making albums and touring, I did not, I would not have called myself a songwriter or a singer. Like people would ask me what I'd do and I would just say nothing. <laughs> I just, I don't know what it was. I was like, this isn't real. It's just an accident that this is happening at all. And I, I was touring like Europe over, like I'm going everywhere. I was gone 10 months out of the year. But for me, the whole time, it was just a, an accident. It never felt like it was supposed to be happening. I Imposter syndrome all the way. Like, which I think also uh, fed into my, I would never wear shoes or makeup or look, like, it just like, it became this, uh, comfort zone of just like I don't care this isn't real this yeah. doesn't matter yeah and, and it got to the point where we were like selling out big venues and everywhere we went and I was still just like I never did vocal warm-ups or <laughs> well like never I just w- didn't I didn't want to take it seriously because then it, it was like I don't I don't know acknowledging that I had some part in that was really hard to do yeah and, because of fear, like if you acknowledge fear, it, then oh, that could be taken away. Some, I, I think I was just waiting at every moment for someone to be like, "Why is she here? Like, why is she on that stage? Why this music? It's a tough one. It's a tough one." I never felt like I would never tell anyone I was a singer or a songwriter or performer. So, a lot of the reason Sir Woman was so important for me because Wild Child was a duo front group kind of like girl boy thing I got to rely on him a lot like if you don't like the song he wrote it (laughs) like I just had this like safety net of all these people and they were all it was like my friends none of them that band was put together just by friends not even by instruments we were like what does this friend play well great we have a banjo cool (laughs) and then Glorietta another band I was in was just a super group of crazy heavy hitters amazing songwriters so I was just fully supported there with this music it was the first time I branched out from all of those comforts and was just like, no, it's, I actually am a writer. And I have actually been writing all of this music the whole time. Yeah. I just did not want to own up own to it. it. Yeah. Own it, yeah. Was there something that shifted in your life, your mindset, your philosophy that you feel like really helped you? I'm thinking of the women listening to this who are going to identify with this story. Yeah. It, was there something that helped you make that shift? Honestly, I think it was just the thing that we do a lot as women. Uh, we get stuck in the nurturing, caretaking mother role. And in a band, this happens a lot oh. for me. I don't even know if that's true for everybody. For me, that does. Where if someone was playing music with me, I felt immediately indebted to them for their time. And I want to take care of you. And here's food. And here's a good place to sleep. And I did your laundry. And <laughs> and I'm going to wake you up early. And I'm going to drive us. You don't have to drive. I'm so sorry that you're away from home. And just just so much all the time. I would even be showing them music and be like, oh, I don't know if you like this. I'm really... The song's stupid. It's only four chords. Like, it's not that complicated. It's the toothpaste commercial. Like, I'm so embarrassed. And But they were making money, and we were touring all over the world. And right. it was an amazing opportunity. But just my own brain was just 
I don't know, it just doing that and being the caretaker for so many people for so many years, all of my 20s was basically just like shuttling, being a tour manager and a band leader and a manager and a booking agent and a babysitter and um, all of these things. I just hit a point where I was like, I hate everybody. <laughs> I hate all of you. And not, I mean, obviously not really. Right. But I was just like, you're I, fed up. Now I don't want to have kids. Yeah. Now I can't have kids. My whole life is ruined because I've been babysitting people my own age. Oh like, my word. you live in my house. I run like an artist compound. I make you all your meals. I do your laundry. Like, what is happening? <laughs> this is not normal. I'm so tired. And all you have to do is like, play a couple co- like this is crazy yeah I, and it was completely set up by me it was mm-hmm. my own desire to people please and nurture and I didn't want anyone to point their finger at me and be like this isn't a real job you're not an artist what are you doing so I just kind of woke up one day and was like I can't fire everyone so I'm firing myself, myself. I was just like I Ooh, am fired I'm fired I can't do this anymore and it it was a year before the pandemic. So I actually spent the year before the pandemic cutting everyone off, writing this music, owning the fact that I am an artist. I am a singer. I am a songwriter. I'm a performer. As much as even as I say those words, I'm like, that's not real. <laughs> that's not a real For job. For so many people. It's crazy. It's nuts, too, because I think I hear this a lot from people who want to be authors. Mm-hmm. So, you know, going to a conference or running into someone at the airport and they're like, oh, I I, I really want to be a writer. And then they'll start to tell me, you know, I, I finished um, a few manuscripts and I have that. And I'm like, no, no. If you write words down, you're a writer. You're a writer. You're you're a writer. writer. It's, it's crazy. It's, but you could say that to everyone else right. in the world. Every other person, I will say everyone is an artist. The right. way you make breakfast is yes. art. The clothes you put on is yes. art. I am I am fully about it. You're born an artist. Everyone is an artist. But when it comes to me, I'm like, what do you do for a living? Nothing. Nothing. I do nothing. (laughs) Do you feel like it would embarrass you to answer the question or that you just don't want to acknowledge it in yourself? That's a great question. I think part of me is guilty that I am allowed to do this. Whoa. Okay. That's big. That's a big realization. Because you do, and I'm sure you know quite a few talented writers and artists who never really get the opportunity and I feel like that's definitely tied into the imposter syndrome at first of just like I know so many people who are busking on South Congress every day who can run laps around what I can do and for some reason I'm selling out theaters in New York like how how does that add up yeah so that definitely that added to it of just like a kind of like a shame that have you ever considered that having a platform mm-hmm. allows you then to bring in those people that you know? Oh, yeah. Because I think of myself and like when I first started to produce events or conferences or whatever, mm-hmm. in the beginning it was like me and I had no idea what I was doing. But then as it grew, then not only could I bring in my friends who were more talented speakers than me, but I could pay them. And at first it was like, here's $50 and dinner. Yeah, yeah. And then later it was like, oh, I can actually pay you legit fee. Mm-hmm. And then later we could way overpay my best friends who were speakers there because you go. I knew what it felt like to not be able to get that. So yeah. it definitely, I always think with women, 
sometimes we can't find the courage, maybe men too, you know, I shouldn't speak, Mm -hmm. whatever, but that it can be hard for some people to fight for themselves, but they will fight for others. If they can shift the perspective of like, you know what, if I get there, I bring my crew up with me. That's, that's another thing that Sir Woman has become. Like anytime we hit the road, everyone that's in the band is the opener. Yeah. So anytime I set up a show, cool. like the drummer will do a set, my backup singers write their own music, the guitar player will do a set. Like it's always like every piece gets showcased and then we all join awesome. together, which venues hate <laughs> because they want you to book local openers yeah. so you can bring out the most possible people. But I'm just kind of like, no. I, I'll bring my friends along who do some weird shit. Like, I'll be like, oh, you're a semi-okay magician? Cool, come on, like, <laughs> do some tricks. I, yeah. I'm down. See what we got. I love you. Yeah. Here you go. Yeah. I've definitely built some very bizarre shows in the past just because I'm... Why not? Yeah. Why not? You and your boyfriend want to make music? It's terrible. I love you. you come on the road. <laughs> like, it's fun. We got a place for you. We yeah. got a place for you. Are you guys performing in Austin before you leave or you're... Friday. Heading? Oh, what? Where? Stubbs. No way. Yeah. Okay, I'm coming. Come. Um, I mean, we're first. We're first. It's for the free show for Golden Dawn Orchestra's album release. Cool. I really have wanted to see you. And every time that I've seen so that you're, I, I will say, as someone who's wanted to see you, I have checked your Instagram before and been like, why aren't there? I don't <laughs> understand the information. Because it's and, me and there is no information. And even when you were out, when you guys were playing at Dreamland, yes. I only saw that because my kids go to Dreamland all the time. <laughs> I didn't see it because of you. I was I like, didn't come post on. It. Yeah. yeah, no, so, that's okay. me. Okay, so Friday. It's I'm me. And up. when I do post, uh, it's, there's always a typo. There's always <laughs> something wrong with the link or the picture's blurry or... It's a screenshot right. that I did improperly. Right. I'm just like, but at this point, it just it's part is of it's it part is. of what it is. Yeah, like if you really want to see it, then you'll find it. Yeah, <laughs> it'll happen yeah. often enough. Yeah, that, you'll find a way. You'll find a way. But yeah. I know that's hard. Everyone's busy. <laughs> What's the influence? Like I haven't heard the new stuff, so I'm just listening to what exists on Spotify <clears throat> currently. But what's the influence, and how has that changed as you've grown as a woman? As a human. Yeah. I've gone kind of gospel, just gospel. I love gospel Ooh. music. I've always loved gospel music. So good. That's, I don't know what, I mean, I knew what, that's the closest thing to like God, spirit, yeah. Yeah. light, yeah. source, whatever you want to call it. Like I'm, I'm not a practicing Christian or specifically religious person at all, but music obviously has always been an avenue of just peace and gospel in general. Real gospel. <laughs> this Real is gospel. like this is Party City, or this is the new. This is stuff? the new stuff. There's a little bit of gospel. Okay. You you can hear some some gospel influence in Party City for sure. Uh, pretty much in everything I write, but this is much more soul gospel funk. Like we really cool. dive in, and I've had a lot happen since the pandemic and the first record. So I d- I'm. Completely, completely different person. Yeah. Outside, I've lost a sibling, lost a parent. Mm, man. Lost a godfather and an aunt. And like, like it's just been a never-ending uh, cycle of loss the past couple of years. And not, I mean, not to mention the smallest bit being making all this music and not being able to release it or yeah. share it or yeah. whatever. That's just 
and having to learn to sit still for the first time in my adult life while all of that was happening was just monumental, like just massive. So now like the difference between this record and the last one, it, like it really, it, it's still, there's both me, but also not at all. It's yeah. a, and I think the difference between being a 27-year-old woman and a 33-year-old yeah. woman is also massive. Yeah. yeah, Massive. With or without all those experiences in between. And that new one comes out when? I don't know. Oh, dang. Really? Okay. I'm excited to hear the gospel music yeah. when that happens. Yeah. Did you happen to see Elvis, the movie? I did not see Elvis, the mm, movie. I wonder what you would think of it. I had thoughts about the trailer. <laughs> Thoughts about the trailer. Yeah. They definitely made him out to be some kind of civil rights activist, which right. he just basically stole rock and roll from Big Mama Thornton. Right. And everyone, like, right. All of these people of color that were already Ooh, doing it. I would it. be curious what you think about the movie then, because it definitely goes even deeper on that. Not necessarily an activist, but for sure friends with and sort of making statements based on yeah. that, which I thought was interesting. More the music and sort of mm -hmm. how that evolved and how it changed the gospel thing reminded me because obviously Elvis went to that place and sort mm -hmm. of loved that but I mean it, there's that line in the Lizzo song like black people made rock and roll and it yeah, really was everything yeah and they do it is showing that like he yeah. was ripping off all of these people who he had learned from and that's sort of the story mm -hmm. that gets told but the behind the scenes of I would just be curious for you as a musician yeah what it would feel like to watch that because having a partner who has been in that industry for 20 years and sort of have seen all these really dark gross sides of it and having a lot of musicians and artists at higher levels that we really love and care about that movie really does show it's so fucked yeah. what will happen to artists in order to control them and to make them perform so that everybody over here in this big machine keeps making money. And this oh, it's just enabling. Yes. And like, here, try this, take this pill, do uh -huh. this thing. Because if you can be numb, then we can control you. And if we can control uh -huh. you, we can make money. Like it's, I mean, not to get very, very real, but you even get into like the Michael Jackson world. Like there can be some yes. crazy. That people are covering up. Absolutely. Yeah. Just yep. for the money. Like you yep. can't, the ball can't stop rolling. Yeah. Doesn't matter what's happening behind the scenes. Like you just keep it coming. Yeah. You think of, you know, during all of the stuff, when, when so many things started to come out because of the Me Too movement, and all of these people, so like my first job ever in life, like my first adult job, was working at Miramax Films mm -hmm. um, in LA. Miramax was owned by someone named Harvey Weinstein, which obviously yeah. one of the biggest offenders. When all of that came out, no one who worked at Miramax was surprised, including myself. Yeah. Nobody was surprised. I was not like, oh, this is shocking information. Mm -mm. Because I would have told you that man, I never... I would never would have, I never saw anything sexual oppression mm -hmm. or any of that, though it wouldn't surprise me if it was happening. Yeah. But I would tell you without question, it was one of the most evil people I've ever encountered in my life. Absolutely. And it was my first job. I was a baby. And so I learned that that was normal behavior in Hollywood. Like, oh, these men are super powerful and they have a ton of money and they're allowed to act however they want and do whatever they want. And then the stories would circulate in the office about crazy things people did and you just sort of laugh like, whoa, that's wild. Like that all of these things that sort of get 
protected in order for businesses or big ventures to to make money. So how, I'm curious, I wonder this a lot. You are such a unique voice. You have such, Mm -hmm. I I hate the term brand, but you do Mm -hmm. have a very unique brand and it's so you. How do you make sure that that doesn't get warped by success? Do Do you care if it does? Is that something you think about? That is definitely, there's two sides to it. I think, I think sometimes I will say that I'm afraid of being warped whenever in success as just like a safety net of like, if I don't get successful, it's because I'm protecting my <laughs> right. art. Right. Like, and as someone who is just like avidly against social media and all of the things women are doing to their bodies right. and all like, as someone who, who isn't going to fit in the, that mold ever, I definitely do think sometimes I can use that as like a, a scapegoat of just like, if it doesn't work, it's because I didn't conform. Yeah. Which is unhealthy. <laughs> but I think in this business, I don't, I don't know if it's possible for you not to be molded into something out of your control. That just is what it is. Like they, they need, even when you talk to labels now, the issue that I come across with Sir Woman is they will literally tell me they don't know what box I fit in. Yeah. I am, yeah, they're just like, it's not pop, it's not indie, it's not soul, it's not gospel, it's not funk, it's not R&B. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. It could just be music. Yeah. Like, it's <laughs> that's okay. And they don't know, like, I get a lot of offers to buy my catalog for other singers Whoa. or to write for pop singers. Like now they'll have like Instagram celebrities. They'll have millions of followers and they'll decide like, I want a music career. So they go to people like about just my size writing, writing wise, popularity wise and offer to buy the catalog. Like we'll give you X amount of money. You just give all your music to this really hot Instagram girl and we're just going to make a bunch of money and that is what it is. But you give away your rights and no one's ever going to know that you wrote it and done. Yeah. And it's just like, Ah, it's the most frustrating thing in the world to to like know and think like if I did fit in that box, if I did play that game, if I did let them morph me just a little bit, would that actually just work? Am I just, I, but then also would I be miserable and would I lose the music that I care about so right. much? Well, and then there are payoffs too, right? Because there's not, there's something to be said for you know, you can provide for yourself in a different way. You have different yes. access and resources. And so it is this slippery slope. It's easy mm-hmm. to kind of fall in that. I think I've just been exposed to the music industry in such a different way because of my boyfriend. And so sort of seeing behind the scenes of artists who really have creative vision and really want, but man, if you have success in one thing, the machine is like, go do that again. That do that forever. again. This and what don't you, change. Yeah, don't no. do it. Keep going and do the. And when you look at artists who have really effectively reinvented them, when you look at Beyonce, when you look at Gaga, mm-hmm. when you look at someone who has actively reinvented Madonna, look, go mm-hmm. back in that direction. Prince, I don't think people maybe understand how much courage that takes and how hard that is. Oh, yeah. Because every single time, Beyonce, like the same woman 
who is doing Renaissance. I'm a huge Beyonce fan, by the way, so just forgive who me as that? I nerd out, right? The same woman who's doing Renaissance, who's doing Black is King, who's doing Lemonade, was also in Destiny's Child. Mm-hmm. Like, if you look at the reinvention, if you look at Gaga, who was wearing a meat dress mm-hmm. and is now yeah. winning Oscars, yeah. that reinvention, dang, that takes so much, especially when you have an industry that's like, if you keep playing by our rules, we'll keep giving you millions mm-hmm. of dollars. It just, it takes freaking courage to stay yourself. It really does. It really does. Especially I, for women. And yeah. I feel like, because it's like, it's like, it's exactly what you just said. This idea of like, we need to find someone to compare you to. We don't have anyone to compare you to. And so you then you what, must not exist. You know what people compare me to? They say, you're, <laughs> this is going to sound, this is so. No, and they always the think this is a compliment. And this is not at all a reflection of what I sound like or what I'm capable of as an artist. But <laughs> I've gotten, you are like a fucked up Adele. Or an Adele on pills, which I've never taken pills oh in my life. Oh my god! I'm not a heavy drinker. I'm never do. But they'll always like imply that I'm like Adele, but like a little crazy. <laughs> Just like I'm actually not like which Adele at all. Which is interesting. Yeah, it's not music vibes at all no. either. And I, she's an incredible vocalist. And right. Like I, I can sing, but I definitely, I think my power is in the writing yeah. specifically. Um, where she's more of a vocalist. Yeah, and I've gotten that so much that I just like, what? People are very unoriginal. (laughs) They really are. Or they just compare you to a big girl. If you're a big girl and you're on stage, and if you are a big girl and on stage, you have to be incredible. And reinvention is not an option. If you're a big girl on stage, you're just like. That's who you are. That's who you are. unpack that. Unpack that. I feel like, like if you can name women that aren't, that are famous singers, famous writers, whatever, pop stars Mm -hmm. that aren't conventionally attractive. They don't fit in the specific bracket. Their careers are almost about that as much as their capabilities. You're so right. Like, it's not that Lizzo is an insane musician, writer, rapper, singer, performer, performer, dancer, everything. It's that Lizzo's big. God, you're so right. Adele, one of the most incredible singers of this generation. It's just like, can you believe how much weight she lost? And but like all the yes. like, who cares? Right. Like it's not like that should never even be mentioned. You're it so right. Doesn't matter. Uh, I don't know. Like there's like the specific roles. You can either be this big diva or you can be funny. And those are like the two roles that you're allowed to play. There's no in-between. Oh and like gosh. once you get in that category, that's just it. Yeah. So, yeah, that's just an extra level of like I don't want to fit in either of those categories. Like I like – like I don't identify with either of that. Like, right. Maybe I want to be skanky all the time. But like – but not like in a – it's not about being empowering. Like I don't want people to tell me I'm brave for being a big girl that's – wild and out like that's what all the interviews like Lizzo like I can't believe you're wearing and she's like what what everyone else is wearing right I just weigh more like what is your problem right it's just it should just not even be discussed but it is because we're women and we're in an industry you're on a you're on a pedestal you're on a stage people look up to you so it's important that you sell something yeah Ooh, that's interesting Ken do you feel like 
I mean, obviously you can't, but how can you, anyone listening to this, like how can you be creative, a musician, a writer, an artist, a whatever, can you do it without aiming at success within an existing industry? Like, yeah, could you do this and just <clears throat> make music here in Austin, Texas and, you know, be on Sun Radio yeah. and that's, that's all you're aiming for because you don't want a piece of that bigger thing? I feel like there's one thing, all of the way to heaven is heaven. I've just been thinking about that this, in the past couple of years. Like, really, the the writing, the creating is that's when you're done. You're done. Everything that happens after that mm. doesn't matter. It's the creating. It's that, like, when you create something, you are entering a partnership with God in, like, world making. You're making, like, it is a... And when I say God, I mean yeah, anything. source, energy, source, whatever. whatever. It's so funny to be like, God, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The creating is the most important part. It could be a little drawing that you carve on a table that you forget about. And then six years later, someone gets that table at a thrift store and that becomes a emblem on a t-shirt. That whatever, like, it doesn't matter. Like, you don't have to think about what happens at the end. And that's given me a lot more freedom with this music. Like with Wild Child, it was like I wrote a lot for commercials and for movies and it was a lot getting placed. It was like ukulele music, so it was cute and easy to put everywhere. So with this, it was just like, no, these songs are eight minutes long and <laughs> I'm going to use all the language that isn't allowed in any movie and it just is what it is. It's about the music and that's it. Because I'm just thinking about the process. Like yeah. what do I need to... What's in me that needs to go out? It could hit one person. It could help one person get through three minutes of their day, or it could help millions. It, it doesn't matter. And yeah. I, I might not even be around to experience who all it reaches. Right. I won't. I already know that. Yeah. It's just like leaving breadcrumbs for whoever. Yeah. Whoever needs it. So I think that's just like really focusing on the process. And that's it. Yeah. Can I, 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 you can tell me if this is like an inappropriate question, but I'm curious then how, how do you financially live? <laughs> Poorly. <laughs> Poorly. Like meaning if, yeah. if it's about the art, which is so beautiful, do you decide like, this is what I need to survive? Or you're like, no. And I'm speaking mm -hmm. as someone just totally yeah. honestly, who grew up very poor. Yeah. And from childhood was mm -hmm. like, I will make, I want to be able to have a nice house for my children, whatever. That yeah. was a very important value to me. Yeah. I won't lie. But I also understand there would be way more freedom for me as a, as a writer. If I know this sounds crazy. If I hadn't had success in the very specific way that I did, I would have way more freedom as a writer. I'm really, lately I've been wondering a lot. I was Years ago, working on, I, I started as a fiction writer. Okay. Love fiction. I have yeah. huge imagination. My stories are like crazy. And I would write these books and nobody, like five people cared. And I was so pumped that five people cared about my books. Yeah. And I just kept doing it because I loved it. And then I was working on my next fiction book and I had a very successful author. And I'm so grateful for mm -hmm. this moment because I've told this story a lot where she said, what's your next book? And I was like, oh, it's, and I told her this crazy idea. And she was a nonfiction author. And she was like, oh, no. Like, and she prompted me. And this was very powerful. She said, what's the book of your heart? If you could tell women 
anything, Mm. what would you want to tell them? And I had never got that question before. So I was like, oh, I would tell them this and to believe in themselves and that they could do anything. And so I just started going and that became the book that changed my life forever, changed my life forever. And I'm so grateful for her and everything that made that happen. But once you have success, it's all anybody. Tell us more things. Give us more advice. Write that book again. Recreate that success again and again and again. So that every time since then, I've been like to my publisher, to my agent, I got this crazy fiction idea. I have allowed myself and I will take ownership of this to be talked out of it. Yeah. Because they're like, no, just give us one more like this and then you can do whatever you want. And I, I have wondered often if I wasn't so driven financially, what would that have meant to me as a creative? And guess what? My life isn't over. I mm-hmm. still have the freedom to yeah. decide to change. So yeah. how do you choose? Uh, I definitely, with the my previous band, it was, it all just, like I said, it felt like an accident. It was working so quickly and I was just busy all the time and it was catchy music. So it was always getting placed in movies and commercials and all of this. So it was just like, and it was easy. I could write these songs in like three minutes. It wasn't a big deal and it was making money. So it's just like, wow, I'm in my twenties. I'm traveling around the world and I'm singing songs for people and I'm making money. Um, okay. I'll keep doing it. But the music didn't like, it wasn't music that I would listen to. I like love it. There's a couple songs, like there's music that it means a lot to me because I wrote it, but, and we wrote it, but it wasn't anything I would listen to. It wasn't anything that fueled me or whatever. I would even like, it got to a point where I like almost resented my audience sometimes because I was like, this isn't crazy. Why are you freaking out? Like, this is not crazy. Yeah. You could all write this. Yeah. It was affecting my relationship to music in general where I was like, the harder I work, I felt like the harder I worked on something, the less attention it got. Like the songs that took me five years to write wouldn't make the record. And the songs that took me 30 seconds were the singles. So I, I, it was frustrating. But I eventually got to the point where I just chose, like I told you, I, I fired myself. I was like, I choose no money because my relationship to this art, to the creative process is being ruined. And I don't now, every time I pick up an instrument, I'm thinking about money. Yeah. And music is the most important thing to me in the world. Why Why would I do that to myself? Have you ever read Big Magic? Mm-mm. Oh, I'll see if I have it on the shelf before yeah. I leave. But Big Magic by Liz Gilbert. She wrote, have you heard of Eat, Pray, Love? Yes. So she had, she was just sort of writing in obscurity. She has this book, Go Crazy. Like everybody read that book. Mm-hmm. Gets in, turned into a movie with Julia Roberts. Like the most wild success. And she's basically grappling with, what do I do now? Yeah. My creative process now has so much money attached to it that it has stopped being this thing that was just for me. It's a business. The, yeah. The whole book is about the creative process and how there's this whole chapter where she talks about like, let your creative process be, pretend you're having an affair and you're having your affair with your creative process. Oh, you do okay. it. You don't tell anyone about it. It's just for you. It's yeah. like, it's luxurious. It's like passion. It to adultery. Yeah, exactly. It. That you don't have to, because- she says the second that it gets a financial attachment, it becomes something different yeah. than it was. It's yeah. not the passion anymore. Yeah. So and I and I also a lot of the wild child music was um, they were like breakup songs. They were just and I could just see the energy that I was putting in a room. Like I could feel it with people singing the words back to me. 
where I was just like, oh, this is gross. Like, I feel dirty and I'm perpetuating this negative, like, he said, she said, terrible, whatever energy in every single room. I could see the girlfriends were so excited and the boyfriends would always stand behind them just, like, glaring at me. I don't know. There's just this, just like, this isn't good. So when I started writing this music, I was like, even if I'm, I was kind of thinking about what you were, it's like, what do I want to what do I want to tell myself? What do I want to tell women? It was like, even if I'm not in a good headspace, I now know that, I mean, singing is, it's spellcasting. It's magic. It's communication is magic. So I'm saying these, I'm going to say these songs, I'm going to sing them every single day. And whereas with Wild Child, I was stuck, I was singing these dark, sad breakup heartbreaking songs about all of the darkest moments of my life every single night just like bringing that back to life inside it's like what if I just wrote a bunch of music as if I was doing great <laughs> like even though yeah. I'm not but eventually I'm gonna start singing these words every day and eventually it's gonna become true yes so sir woman was like this you got awesome. like just let's write from a place of like how you want, want to, feel. to feel yes and it worked and I could see the difference in the room like the first test was in the studio watching the players learn the music and start before like I could see it working on them as we were tracking the music cool. I was like this is gonna work yeah this is gonna work it's gonna make people feel good I'm yeah. tired of making people feel sad <laughs> isn't it you don't really think about it as a consumer of music but what it feels like to have for an artist to have a song that's about a past relationship that no longer exists, to have it about a hard season you don't want to talk about mm-hmm. anymore, or frankly, to have something go viral, to explode. I saw John Mayer when he came to town a few months ago, and he's actually amazing on stage, oh. hilarious. He and, probably made all the Your Body is a Wonderland jokes. But when that came on, like, he's like, all right, guys, like, I got to do it. Like, I, it's not as bad as you think it is. Yeah. I'm gonna, and you could tell he and his band were just like, kill us. Yeah. But he had to do it because half the women in the audience That's were all they holding hear. their beer and like screaming for Your Body is a Wonderland. And he is one of the most insane guitar players in the I world. think existing in the world. today. Absolutely. And it was, I was just like, what does this feel like for this guy? Because this audience, I would say 80% of that audience was there to hear your body as a wonderland. Oh, that's what and, I mean. That's where the resentment comes yes. from. Where you're like, this is a room full of people who paid to see me. Right. And I I resent you for liking something that I made yeah. because I don't want to play it anymore. You don't wanna, yeah. But, yeah. But it, then that fuels the guilt that you're even allowed to do that right. in the first place. Like, I'm really complaining that you've yeah. got – I'm complaining that a stadium of people want to hear a song right. that I wrote that I think is stupid now. Right. Well, even I wonder what the life cycle of that looks like. Like one of my favorite ever, possibly everyone's favorite, but um, I've been able to see Clapton twice. Mm-hmm. And you think of like Tears in Heaven, which mm-hmm. is such a hard song, and he's singing about the loss of his son and how many times he has had to perform that over the last, what, 50 years over and over and over. And then you have an audience of people who are also singing about this really traumatic event in your life. I'm sure that it meant something when it was written, something else along the way, and something else now. Yeah. And I mean, that's- It definitely changes. Right. It changes. The magic of music. Uh Uh-huh. Y'all write something about 
an experience that I had and then five years later be like, oh, it actually fits way more now. Like oh, that, cool. Or that's what I was talking about when I wrote that. I had no idea. That's really cool. I, yeah, I definitely feel, I feel for any partner of any musician ever because you're, that's, I've had so many moments in the studio where I realize that I am just the worst communicator in a relationship of all time because I'll just keep it in, take care of everything. And then every two years I go in the studio and I'm just like, (laughs) I'll be listening to the mixes, like showing them the the new singles. And they're just like, yeah, that's really okay. Yeah. So real. You're like, yeah, but don't worry. I'm over it because I I made it a song. So I processed it. I processed it. Don't worry. All good. I'm just going to sing it for the next four years. And everyone's going to know it's about you. Right. But I'm fine. Yeah. We're fine. Yeah, we're good. (laughs) What are the influences? You talked about this earlier, that they would sort of ask the men and not ask you. Did you have early influences in music? And has that changed as you've grown up? I've always loved soul, funk, gospel, R&B, which, yeah, if you asked me back in the wild child ukulele jingle days, you would never know. I'd just be like, I... Actually, don't even listen to Americana or folk music. Yeah, I was raised on like Stevie Wonder and Otis Redding and yeah. Sly and the Family Stone and Funkadelic and Aretha. When you think of sort of creative future or dreams that you have, do you think in terms of like, oh, if I could collaborate with this artist, I'd pee my pants? Do you think if I could get this many people in an audience, that would be the success? Like, is there a a thing for you that you would feel like, holy shit, I can't believe I did that. The Grammy is the thing. Yeah. A Grammy yeah. is the thing. Yeah. There are a lot of ways to get there. Mm-hmm. I feel like some involve playing the game a lot more than others because yeah. the Recording Academy is, it is, it's, yeah. it's the game. Yeah. Like you really have to, you got to fit some box mm-hmm. if that's where you're going. Well, what was it? Where did I just hear this recently? I was watching a documentary or something. Oh, I think it was the Kanye documentary. Mm -hmm. And he was saying that I think hip-hop, I think it was hip-hop in the Grammys, was one category. Yeah, for all of it. Everything. Mm -hmm. Which is so, it's so nuanced. It's so different. It's so, but it's one thing. And when you look at the artists that will all be nominated, it it makes zero sense. Mm -hmm. You're like, well, these are totally different styles of music, but then you'll break out different categories in a lot more individualized ways. Oh, yeah. 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 There's a polka Grammy. They still (laughs) give out polka Grammys. No way. Yes, the... The actually the producer that I work with on all the newest Wild Child record and all the Sir Woman records has won a Grammy and it's for a polka album that he worked on. So he doesn't even talk about it or have his Grammy anywhere. Oh, if I had a polka Grammy, you better believe <laughs> yeah. it would be on display. Yes, I know. How funny. I, know. I was like, wait, I found out a lot. I've known him for years. And I found out the last time he, he was like, well, I, I do have a Grammy. I was like, for what? Polka, <laughs> super embarrassed polka. How crazy! Yeah. Okay, so Grammy, Grammy would be big for you as a singer, songwriter, or both. As a songwriter, yeah. I, I do. I'm definitely more of a songwriter. That's where I do think I could and would write for pop stars. I would sell some material. It would just have to be the right artist. Like yeah. you really have to believe in their message. And yeah. who would you die to write for? That's like recording today. Ooh. I know mine, so you wanna? Okay, <laughs> it's really random though. Who would I die to write for? I mean, I love Lizzo. I really would. Yeah, I would sick. love to yeah. write for Lizzo. Beyonce, right. done. And Beyonce, she really, she's got like fifty writers yeah, on every does. album. Yeah, so I'm does. like, 
You're like, I could get in there. <laughs> I could get in there. I remember how disappointing that was for me the first time I when you learn that your favorite artists don't, don't write, write the, songs. the songs. That was huge like, for me. I went on a about? yeah, I went on a songwriting like at the end of last year, beginning of this year, I, I challenged myself to learn how to songwrite because as a writer, one of my goals in life is to write in as many mediums well, as yeah. possible. And songwriting, if I write a book, I've got 65,000 words. If you write a song, that was just such a cool process. And mm-hmm. I love music. But I was so, I sound like so naive, but I would think of all these musicians that would be like, oh, this song he wrote for his wife and it's so beautiful. And then you start working with songwriters. You're like, you wrote that song? Yeah. About your ex-girlfriend? Oh, like, oh. what? Do you know who Diane Warren is? Yes, of course. She's my she's my idol. Oh, if I, so I mean, sick. if I could get to a point, because it really is the writing, but Diane Warren has never been in a relationship in her life. And there is no love song that Diane Warren did not write that is like, like in the same year she wrote. Wait, what do you mean she's never been in a relationship? She's never been married. She's, she has a bunch of cats. And she's like, that is what it is. I've never been in love. But she writes all the love songs. Like, same year she wrote, uh, Don't Want to Miss a Thing. Yep. Because You Love Me. Yes. Unbreak My Heart. Uh, and How Will I Live Without You. In the same year, those songs, she wrote, and she's never been in love. And those are like the some of the most epic. Iconic Iconic music. love songs. And she's never been in love. Holy crap. I'm just like. You're like, okay, that's the way that's to go. Crazy. There is something to be said for songwriters. This is what I have discovered is like there is some magic of writing things. Like when you are successful in that industry mm-hmm. and nobody knows your face, you don't have to do social media. Oh, you're free. <laughs> you're so free. You're free. Like I've met these people where you look up their song catalog. You're like, you're lying. That's not even possible to have that many hits. And it's sort of like when you – they get a formula mm-hmm. and they can recreate it for a million different people over yeah, and over. Yeah. Um, and because you never know which one's going to hit either. Right. You can try the same formula for like 20 different pop yes, artists. Yes. And one of them will one will get go. success. Yeah. And that you, you don't have to look a certain way. You don't have to dress. You don't have to do anything. But you also, the exchange is you, you have to give yeah. parts of yourself yeah. away to yeah. all of these people and, and have no control. Right. Like, really, they can turn it into whatever they want. Yeah. And I, this, it could be a song about your ex-wife, ex-husband, or child that passed. or what. Like, it could be so personal. And it becomes something so different. Like, if you've ever had the opportunity to hear a really big song sung by the person who wrote it, actually wrote it, it has such different meaning. Oh. It's really cool to yeah. go to songwriting sessions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when I was in Nashville, I was doing a songwriting session. I heard the story that is such a great example of how you give your stuff away. There was a very well-known artist now. But mm-hmm. back in the day, she was not well-known. She was like struggling. A lot of, um, maybe this happens in every industry, but I don't know. In country music, you sort of start as a songwriter and then you can like slowly build up and eventually maybe you cut an album. Um, so she was struggling as a songwriter and she wrote a song. Because I, I had asked this guy, he was, um, whoever sell, sells the music. Yeah. I sound like such a the publisher? country mouse. Yeah. yeah. So I asked this guy, I'm like, what's like your favorite story, favorite song you've ever sold? He's like, okay, this is it. So they finish the session. It's her and another guy. And they write a song. He tells me the name of the song. And it is one of the biggest country music songs in the last like five years. And he's like, they finish the session and everybody knows this, this is a a hit. hit. Like no question. This is such a good one. And 
he was so pumped because she hadn't ever sold a song before. So he's thinking, this is a huge moment. Like, we're going to do this. She's going to get some money. So immediately, session ends. He calls, biggest female country artist in the world, her manager, and says, I got to play you this song. And mm-hmm. the guy's like, hold that for We want that. That is amazing. 100% we're recording it. So he called. He's so pumped. He's like, I did it. You're yeah. like, you got a song by this artist. This is amazing. And she's fucking devastated because she wrote that song for herself and she had planned on recording it for herself and she's like so upset she knew it was a hit she's like even though I'm not anybody I know this is a hit song yeah and he's like oh my god I'm so sorry he calls back this huge country singer's manager and is like I'm so sorry my bad she didn't write that to sell and he's like nope that is our song and it is a huge song and is very successful, but it was never hers. Now, the song was so massive that it was like that could have been her breakout hit Mm -hmm. and it didn't end up happening until like three years later. So it's like, oh, damn. Now that I know more about the business and the writing process and everything, I've gone gone back to records that like meant a lot as a kid, like yeah. just diving and wanting to know more how they did it, where they recorded all of that. Obviously in the sev- the 70s was like a sweet spot for music. Everybody wrote their own right. shit. Everything was recorded live in the room with the band. You hear yep. mistakes, you hear like, uh, it's pre-digital anything. So it's just, it's beautiful. But then I, yeah, you listen to anything from the 90s that you love or the early 2000s or you're like, man, no one, no one, no one does one. it. one. With the exception of like Kurt Cobain, like other other genres, but even that, it, it's still, yeah, it's just teams of writers and yep. everybody putting together the perfect formula. So that's a, another reason why I'm just like stick to the process. Yeah. Like I can't be in a room full of writers and be like, okay, here's my heart and soul, and then there's twelve twelve other people who are gonna be like, yeah, oh, this rhymes with whiskey. So let's <laughs> <laughs> Make it about that. So I'm like, right. no, it's yeah. terrible. You're so right. Have you seen, I forget what it's called, but there's a documentary about uh, Springsteen on mm-hmm. the last album that I'll find it and text it to you, but it's the last album that he created with his band and they do it. It's like old school. It's all in one room, mm-hmm. all in one record. And they're just watching their process. People, I mean, he's been with E Street Band for 50 years, Mm -hmm. watching these people who have literally worked together forever, it's not Springsteen. It is the sum of the parts of every single artist in that room making music together. It is unbelievable what they're able to do. And I feel like the oldest old person ever because I'm like, they just don't make music like that anymore. That's how I made the Sir Woman record. We're all live in the studio, both of them. We're all there like singing like you can hear us screaming at each other like positively in the song. We're just like, yeah, yeah, you did it. Like you can hear people messing up and cussing and fuck, that one sucks. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm just like, keep it. Yeah, keep it that's all in real. there. You got to know the one, I want people to know that it's all live because yeah, you're yeah. right. People don't make music like yeah. that anymore. But that's the the music that I care about the most is all from that Absolutely. period. So I'm like, well, I just want to do it. I'll take mistakes. Yeah. I'm human. Like, I will take my scratch vocals. I'm not the person that's going to stand in the booth and be like, oh, that breath wasn't right. <laughs> that, like, doesn't yeah. matter. The honest truth is, once the album comes out, you're never going to listen to it. 
it doesn't. You are so right. It doesn't. Like you're. I've you never gonna, reread my book. Oh yeah. Are ever. you ever gonna read no. it? No. No. No way. In editing, no. mixing, maybe no. you'll be like, I don't like this one wiggle right. or whatever. But it doesn't matter. Right. So at this point, I don't even listen to the vocal. I'm just like, yeah. Cut it. I was watching, um, gosh, David Letterman. He has a show on Netflix that's my next guest needs no yes. introduction. And yes. he did an episode with Billie Eilish. And I find her uh, her relationship with Phineas and like how they make music so cool. And I, yeah, yeah. Um, I lost my brother years ago. And so I love like mm. a brother-sister thing. And so they're showing him, they're explaining to him how they make um, a song. And I had no idea. I felt like such a dummy. So it was the very beginning of Happier Than Ever. Mm-hmm. And like, it's, I don't know, 10 seconds of music, 15 seconds of music. And it's 89 splices or yeah, tapes yeah. or a breath. Oh, every single part of it is edited. Now, on the one hand, that's fucking cool. Like, good but for you guys that, that yeah. you know how to do that. But on the other, I think it's really important for anyone who maybe is listening to this and dreams of being an artist of any kind. Yeah. To understand that what a lot of things look like today is an edited, crazy, polished version. Auto-tuned, ed- yeah. edited. Like you can make anything sound like anything. Right. They're, right. But yeah. So the, yeah, it's just okay. Yeah. Any, it's yeah. okay. A one chord song is yeah. a thing. It can be 10 seconds. It can be 10 minutes. of the. It can be a mantra. Like it can be acapella. It can be the silliest thing you can think of it's just yeah it's just so important to even try have you ever listened to the song exploder podcast yes i love well that's a lie i've watched the show on netflix so i haven't listened to the podcast as much um i listened to the one i listened to a lot of it years ago when i was still on the road and there was one the weezer rivers cuomo from weezer Uh and he was talking about how he wrote music and it almost pissed me off because i was like that doesn't count that's just he basically he had a spreadsheet like an excel spreadsheet and he would categorize like different amounts of syllables and different vowel sounds and whatever and he would just go around life like basically listening to people talk and just like writing down their sentences put it in the spreadsheet and then he would record these distorted 50s rock song uh chord progressions but with like weezer guitar yeah distortion whatever and he'd put them all in a folder and he wouldn't label them so we wouldn't remember the initial melody or anything. And he'd be like, time to write a song, pull up a random old riff that he took, pull out a spreadsheet. I need, I need these vowel sounds. I need these amount of syllables. And like, so he was like, so these songs are never about anything ever. And he's always learning what they're about just by like seeing people like, okay, it could, it could mean that. Like, cool. And at first I was like, that is not music. That doesn't count. That's cheating. But no. That's his way. That's his way. Yeah. There's no wrong way to do it. Right. Like there really isn't. You could use a spreadsheet. You could just, yeah, go to your kid's kindergarten pool party and record what everybody says. And yeah. those are your lyrics. Yeah. And that's. I think that, I mean, that's the creative process is that you have to be willing to try stuff like that and change it and shift and grow and fail and fail make horrible things yeah oh my gosh make horrible crappiest. things like if you look back at what i could write 15 years ago Ooh. oh my gosh and i hope oh. if you look at what i'm writing today 15 years from now you'll be like girl what were mm. you trying to do if you <laughs> yeah, if you saw a purina cat food commercial between 2010 and 2015 <laughs> 
you heard me doing some stupid oh, shit. <laughs> like, God, but it paid those bills. <laughs> it, yes, it did. Yes, it did. Uh, and it was the worst thing I've ever had to do. Mm. I don't even know if I'm allowed to say that. Yeah, you are. They're not. No. Purina doesn't Purina's listen to not this. Listening. They're not a sponsor. Don't worry. Yeah. I. Yeah, there's, there's a line that I wake up stuck in my head. I'm so embarrassed and I hate it so much. I think it was, I'll be leaving you. Never. <laughs> I had to rhyme with just couldn't be better. And I was I for, like, a cat food? for cat food. Okay. It was like a, they it was like, it could be about a person, but really it's about a cat and it's about how they're your best friend and your rock. And so I was like, okay, how about you're my best friend and my rock? And they were like, perfect. <laughs> Nailed it. I was like, great. This is easy. Oh I'm my just, gosh. I'll be leaving you never. Yeah. And they were like, oh, love it. <laughs> like really I'm gonna get paid the most for this yeah like I've made five albums I worked so hard but okay all right cat food it is yeah sure um as you head out on this next adventure what is your intention if I you know we come back together let's say we're doing another episode Mm -hmm. post tour Mm -hmm. what do you hope that you have gotten out of this experience I think the most important thing right now is for people to feel connected in whatever Agreed. way that is that, that's possible. Yeah. So if I can get a bunch of strangers in a room that didn't know each other before, that all like this music, and now they're going to know each other, even if it doesn't matter if it's 20 people or 200 or 2,000, that matters so much to me right now that's really what I'm focusing on like if as much as I can make people be in that moment even if it's just for a 45 minute set of just like if I gotta make everyone hold eye contact and and I don't know tell each other they love them before we play a song like I'm just like yeah we're here this is so important we've all lost so much and so many people and now more than ever our beautiful country is like every, so divided. Yeah. Oh, it's just and and it's worth saying divided, but also I don't know if you saw when um, Matthew McConaughey was giving he gave a speech after the shootings in Uvalde, mm-hmm. and he was it was he was so passionate, he was so upset, and I loved what he said. And if you're listening to this, you should go look it up. But he said it's not as divided as you think that it is. It's not as divided as the media and social media want us to believe. Mm-hmm. We are humans. We, we all want are the same aligned things. on the same things. We want our children to be safe. We want a good life for our neighbors. Like that is real. So not buying in to the fear mongering that makes us believe that everybody hates each other. Because yeah. it, I don't know, if you just walk out in real life, if you get off a screen, that's not what I discover. Yeah, um, so it's I true. love I love that idea of connection. I could not agree more. It's, it's I, yeah, I feel like well, I don't even remember where the quote came from, but the the whole world would be saved if we thought of each other's children as our own. Mm. Like that that energy of just like every child on this planet is mine. Yeah, would save everything. But yeah, keeping everyone in these little boxes like your family, your kids, your wife, scarcity mindset. There yeah. isn't enough to go around. You take care of yours. Screw everyone else, especially if they're different in any way whatsoever. They're trying to take from you, yes. in fact. Yes. Like, it's just, 
it's so terrible and exists in every aspect of the world right now. So, I mean, even as small, small as something in like the touring music industry, like you're told if you don't accept this gig as it is for no money, driving 12 hours, sleeping in some shitty hotel with for 10% of the bar, there's a thousand other bands that are going to do it and right. everyone's competing with you. So right. you either take the deal or is what it is. And yeah. they like bat you against one another and make it seem like there's only so much room at the top. And that's just, what's just the not, top? Yeah. What's the top? What top? Yeah, oh, yeah. Top of what? Top of what? Yeah. I, I'm not Beyonce. I'm not trying to be <laughs> right. like, no. And there's also Aretha and Whitney and Mariah and yep. Celine and like, what are you talking about there's only room for one yeah up top like that's not a thing yeah but yeah so bringing people together letting them know showing people that like you don't have to be a specific way act a certain way look a certain way present yourself in any way women in particular like it's anyone can be on a stage anyone can write it can you could hate the song that you're writing. It could work. You yeah. could love it. It could not work. No one could ever hear it. Everyone could hear it. And that doesn't matter because the process is the most important part. Yeah. And as long as you have that outlet, like, it's done. And even when I'm not writing music, I try to keep that energy and everything. Like, I'm going to go on a walk, but I'm going to go on this walk as if I'm writing a song. Mm. I'm going to, like, just pay attention to things differently. Listen. Listen more. Walk slower. Make a meal, cook, like cook as if you're writing a song, right? Like what? There's so many ways to channel that energy and use those muscles. So like you can start anywhere and yeah. anyone can do it. You don't even need an instrument. You really don't. Oh, Kelsey, I'm so freaking grateful that I got to hang yeah, out with you. This I know. is such a treat. Thank you for I, having me. I want to say too, for listeners, like mm -hmm. no BS your music is such a vibe. Like, Thank you. As soon – I actually discovered it. I was driving down the road with my almost 16-year-old son, and it was it, – a song came on the radio. And both of us were like, what is this? Like, this is such a jam. Yeah. Um, and we both were like, okay, cool. And then we waited until the end so that we could see who yeah. it was because yeah. we were like, we don't know the song. And I came home that day, and I think, like – Boo and I were going to have a drink on the patio. And I was like, what was the name of the artist? And so I just went to Spotify yeah. and put on Sir Woman Radio is such a vibe. Yes. Like it is so, and I haven't heard the new music yet, but the existing stuff is like so cocktails on the patio. Like I sent it to all my girlfriends. Yes. They were like, yes, this is totally like what they're listening to already. So I cannot recommend it enough. Such good music. Thank and you. I can't wait to see you live. Friday. Yeah. Well, yeah. okay. Let's, I know you don't love promotion, but we did we'll do just it. do this whole thing. <laughs> if people want to find out where yes. you're going to be, yes. is there a website? There is. <laughs> there is a website. And luckily someone else is in charge great, of the website. Great. It's just sirwoman.com. Sirwoman.com. Yeah. Go check it out. Mm -hmm. Go see you on tour starting when? August 28th. Oh, soon. Soon. All right. Uh, yeah. East Coast tour and then a West Coast tour. And then I'm going to start dropping new music. Yeah. I can't yeah. wait. I can't wait to hear the gospel stuff. Yeah. The Rachel Hollis podcast is produced by me, Rachel Hollis. It's edited by Andrew Weller and Jack Noble.